Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, once again, sitting in the safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, buddy. What's happening with you? I'm good. I'm good. I was just telling our guest I was down to uh, to my T-shirt walking around outside today. What does that mean? What is Shocking. That mean? It's quite warm. Oh. Quite warm. It's freezing here. How are you? Uh, How are you, man? I didn't notice the weather that much today. Uh, it was hot. Uh, uh, well, it's warm. Yeah. I mean, I. I or are I you just gone insane and just walk around in your underwear? <laughs> is that what's going on? <laughs> well, with you, man? well that, that's been the case for a while, man. That's are those Airbnbers uh, making you crazier and crazier next door? Uh, no, but I'll tell you, we did have one of the long-term tenants move out the other day, and I became uh, even more alarmed, uh, anticipating that the guy might try to, you know, put a second Airbnb in that building. And uh, I, I ran into the owner and uh, tried to, you know, put some gentle pressure on him to, uh, you know, to confirm that uh, he was going to put another long-term tenant in there just in case he thought nobody cared, just to let him know that somebody was paying attention. He said, oh, no, no, I'm going to get another long-term tenant. Yeah. So, you know, so we'll I see. have an easy answer to your predicament. Okay. Light a match. <laughs> oh i love that solution manny just light a solution. match you know when i lived above the circle bar for all those years um on the streetcar i used to take the streetcar or bicycle i didn't have a car then and right. i uh got to know this guy who worked for uh, a terminex and he <laughs> yeah. he uh he um, was on the streetcar, and he'd take the streetcar to, to pick up his truck. You know, it wasn't his truck. It was a company truck or whatever. And, I, you know, living over the Circle Bar, it, it wasn't the most, uh, you know, well-kept place. There's a lot of cockroaches. and uh, it's an old building. Old, right? old, old building. And I said, you know, is there anything I can get, like, over the counter? To And he said, nah, just light a match. That's what he told me. He said, just light a match, you know, for that building, just light a match. Sure. Yeah, it it solves a lot of problems. Um, You know, I recently watched this movie, uh, 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 Long Hot Summer, with with Paul Newman, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know, also uh, uh, Orson Welles and... uh, um, a bunch of a bunch of actors in there, and they were all in their underwear and t-shirts, and you would just follow their lead. Uh, a little bit, but uh, uh, Paul Newman plays a character whose uh, whose family is known for uh, for for burning your place down if, if they get in a in a beef with you. It's like oh, they're barn burners from way back. Oh, I thought oh, okay, it's uh it's not bad to have that kind of reputation, you know. It keeps people uh, on their toes, you know, minding their p's and q's around you, you know, when they think you might drop a match on them. Now, what did Orson? Well, I don't think I've seen this movie. What did Orson Welles play? Who did he play? 
uh, he plays the 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 patriarch of the family, and man, Orson Welles has the the craziest uh, uh, makeup on. He, he he looks so weathered; it looks like a football in there. But uh, Joanne Woodward is in it. She plays the love interest. In fact, I think they might have kind of gotten together on this picture. That's where uh, Orson uh, Welles got together with Joanne Woodward. Uh, well, no, no, I mean uh, Paul Newman. And, <laughs> oh, Paul <laughs> Newman. And, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, famously uh, together for for many many years and married for for uh, even longer i just bought some of his salad dressing the other day it shit shit holds up man guy knew what he was doing with that salad dressing i'll tell you what yeah he's a good guy yeah yeah he was a good guy he man. was a good, good looking guy too yeah Holy you man. know he had those blue eyes and he was yeah, cool yeah, as yeah. can be he had that luke yeah. smile right yeah that old luke <laughs> smile <laughs> um but speaking of people uh actresses and actors mm -hmm. and stuff we lost to me one of the greatest actresses of our time kirstie alley passed away in the last yes, 36 yes. hours yes and, a sad uh, loss uh, uh, she was fabulous and everything she did from cheers to look who's talking and look who's talking to um, oh, okay she was fabulous and you know uh uh, I remember back in the 80s when she was, you know, she took over for what's her name on Cheers. Um, I yeah, was Shelley Long. Shelley Long, yes. Shelley yeah. Long, who thought she could go into the movies, but uh, right. that wasn't Didn't, to be yeah, for Shelley Long. Her big thing was, uh, what was it, uh, uh, the money pit. That was her big breakout yeah. role. Didn't, didn't quite really uh, and pan out. Irrecycle, irre what's that movie called with Ryan O'Neill and Drew Barrymore when Drew Barrymore was just still a kid. Hmm. I don't know. There were about two famous yeah. people who get a divorce, and they, I don't know what it was called. Uh, yeah. right, um, right, right. But she took over for Shelley Long, mm -hmm. and she was fabulous in the role, very photogenic. But I remember one day in the '80s, I was uh, walking down Hollywood Boulevard, and you know she was a Scientologist. Yes, I knew that. And I remember, and this is at the peak of her stardom with Cheers. I'm walking down Hollywood Boulevard near, uh, kind of near Raji's. Remember Raji's, Iris? Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Honeycomb yeah. Hideout. Yeah, Raji's. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I love that phrase. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, it was kind of near there. And, you know, she was there on the street trying to recruit people. Whoa, Big wow. star like her. She's talking, to like, <laughs> she's talking to all these guys who are, you know, they look to me like the legals, but uh, they're in the country doing their share. But they were hardworking people. You could tell they were hardworking people. And they were so right, right. they were so happy to meet her, and she's trying to recruit them into the church and stuff. And she's got a clipboard, and she's taking names and numbers and all that kind of stuff. Right, just what they need, Scientology. Yeah, just what they need, Scientology. They need, uh, they need citizenship is what they needed. But right, um, right. anyway, um, uh, that was my Kirstie Alley story. It's the only time I ever saw her you know, live and in person. She's recruiting uh, for the Church of Scientology. And L. Ron Hubbard would have been very happy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, since you brought up Scientology, you know, we have the, the recurring stalker files, uh, you know, that, that, that I'm always getting fresh uh, intel from this person. And uh, her, her latest missive actually just came yesterday in a series of uh, 27 emails. And it starts off, it, she, she's recently started mentioning Scientology. Oh. And this one goes, uh, it's again addressed to, to me by my uh, childhood, uh, you know, nickname. 
um, and Ew. says, uh, says, uh, uh, which my was pistachio. Who- that was your childhood <laughs> nickname, wasn't it? Pistachio. P- before I went by pistachio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My, my, cause my parents called me Ray. Cause I, when I was a kid, I lived next door to my grandfather and, you know, lived with my father and they were both named Renee. So they called me Ray and they still do my, That's my parents cool. anyway. Um, it's not R A Y it's, it's R E with an accent, you know, like the, the diminutive of Renee. Anyway, she doesn't understand that. She spells it R-A-Y. And she says, uh, my neighbors who are Scientologists are screaming. And the neighbors who aren't have now started screaming that the Scientologists want 27 emails to stop screaming or a dollar amount of breaking housewares, which they do not name until the amount of breakage equals the amount they like. So you get emails. I have never met you or anyone else famous. I don't know you. are scientologists that violent i never thought they were violent people well i don't know how this girl i mean this girl has a lot of crazy ideas in her head you know so i don't know how she started to get her on the show gotta get her (laughs) if this is her attempt to get on the podcast i gotta say it's very novel (laughs) it's it's a novel approach i got one more that so so she sent 27 of those and then uh then she sent uh, a series of 11 of these and here's another one she's playing a high-pitched noise you can hear everywhere in my apartment which when two previous neighbors did so i was referred to psychiatric treatment when i requested an officer to do something about it now the noise is bone jarring, especially around my eyes. It's fucking painful. <laughs> I, with my paycheck needing to clear the bank, have to find someone somewhere else to stay. So, well, your neighbor if, has a vacancy, right? Right, right. Yeah, I should I, <laughs> tell her there's an Airbnb hey. close by. Yeah, she could just put notes through my mail slot. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, the. Uh, the 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 stalker continues now uh, well manny uh, just to, to switch uh directions here did you see uh the french president uh emmanuel macron uh came and visited new orleans this yes week? i did see that i was very impressed with that and i noticed that they uh when they when he, they took him to the french quarter they only let him go like walk down one square block because the rest was just too dangerous or too filthy well to see well so they so they had him walking down royal street you know a lovely street in the french Quarter. it's covered in you know it's uh full of antique shops and you know other other kind of uh you know notable uh locations there <laughs> and there's a picture where the mayor uh mayor latoya cantrell is is she was hanging on him like a dog man she she would not let him go and uh but there's a, a photograph taken where she's pointing down, watch your step, because even they're, even though they're only on uh, you know, one block of Royal Street, and that's a street they picked, it still has a big... Uh, huge pothole. Like, yeah, I saw that. Huge pothole, <laughs> and you know, then and you see Mitch Landrew, former mayor, standing on the side, and he's kind of, kind of chuckling to himself that Jesus Christ, man, we can't do anything right, can we? <laughs> I saw that photo. I saw that photo. It, it, it busted me up big time. Yeah, it was just like watch your step, uh, President of France. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, you know they had they had uh, had, had uh, uh, scoured the place with with yeah. bomb dogs. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, totally, but but we can't fix a, a, a fucking you know, pothole. This, yeah, the, the pothole in the street. Yeah, watch your step. You don't break your ankle. Yeah, don't, yeah. but I found you know because later on in the day he was in my neighborhood over by the museum, 
at City Park. Hmm, okay. He was in my neighborhood. And in fact, one of my uh, daughter's schoolmate's mom is some kind of big shot with some kind of delegation or whatever. And she was there at the, at the museum at City Park where he, he did like a meet and greet for, with, for people who were only invited. It wasn't like a huge thing uh, right. for the public or anything like that. And uh, I asked her the day before, because I knew she was going to go to the day before. I said, uh, just let me know, you know, because he's French and all that. Just let me know if he stinks or not. You know, <laughs> oh, man. and 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 she said that he smelled okay. He didn't smell perfect, but he smelled okay. <laughs> you know, like he had some kind of Gucci uh, cologne on or something like that. He, he looks like a clean guy. He looks like he's well, pretty put you together. Know, you people know? don't bathe, man. You know, come on. Well, God, some of them do. Yeah, you know, it's not all of them. Yeah, you know, think you know he'd probably shower down. You know, he's gonna go. Uh, you know, meet Latoya Cantrell. He must have been. Uh, you know, looking forward to that. Well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be right. looking forward sure, to meeting our sure, mayor? Sure. And speaking of uh, uh, the city politics and our mayor, her her boy uh, Chief Ferguson is he's he's taking off, man. He's I saw that he's retiring, yeah. Yeah, getting out while the getting. Oh good, yeah, man. he's probably got his little pension. He's like, I'm getting out of here, man, because it's just getting bad. <laughs> it's getting bad. You know, we're still number one in murder. Oh yeah, we're still number one in murder, man, and that we're going to keep it that way as long as this uh, uh, administration's there. And you know what? Also, I saw uh, America as a whole country. Uh, um, gonorrhea is back big time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Gonorrhea. Is, uh, they, they had some kind of a survey or poll, you know, medical studies and stuff. Uh, uh, gonorrhea in 2012, that was the lowest cases ever in 2012 of, of gonorrhea. But now in 2021, 22, it spiked over like 50%. We have now 670,000 cases of gonorrhea what? in this co country Gee alone. Whiz. Yeah. Now, from what I understand, that's treatable, right, Manny? Yeah, it's treatable. Sure it is. But, you know, but, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, uh, uh, those guys have helped me out plenty, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, can you believe, I mean, with all the knowledge we have and all the protection and all that, that gonorrhea is, is huge, man. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I don't it. believe I mean, it. Know? I don't believe it. I don't, well, I don't believe it. I can some forward fake news, you. you think? Yeah, you, I you do. Think it's fake news. Okay. Yeah, well. I think it is. Probably oh, just another weird distraction. Well, well possibly. Sometimes be. they throw shit out there like I mean, that. I mean, how uh, could it be so popular when people are not even like people are standing allegedly six feet apart? Yeah, I don't think that they're still doing that. Well, I mean, no, gonorrhea, that's over. yeah, that's over. Six feet apart is over. Six feet under now is the big thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, all these young people, all these kids, you know, they're not dating, but they're fucking like rabbits, man. It's uh, Yeah, know, so. they're doing crazy stuff, these kids today. But anyway, you know, I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to get it. Uh, you know, I, right. I don't think sure, I'm going to sure, get sure. it. Yeah, we're all safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, yeah. safe, uh, but it's just weird how... Uh, uh, it's it, it's spiked in the last eighteen months. The cases of gonorrhea, you wild, know, you know, wild. All right, wild well, stuff. everybody, go see your doctor. Get tested. Get some blood work. Uh, you yeah. know, our staff physician just just uh, I got a call from the office and they they pushed me from uh, supposed to have a my my annual next week and they pushed it into January. I'm like Jesus Christ, man, because he's got gonorrhea. Well, 
Yeah. He's, he's trying to he's trying to treat all the cases. He's just trying to catch up with the backlog, maybe. Right. Well, you know, he's, he's a know. good guy. He is a good guy. Isn't that what, out to, isn't uh, that what Al Capone died from? Yeah, syphilis, uh, syphilis and gonorrhea. Is syphilis. Yeah. Isn't that the yeah, same yeah. syphilis and gonorrhea? Uh, oh no no no! No, it's quite a little different. different. Uh, I think it's sometimes they go hand in hand, but they're they're different. Uh, but syphilis, different, uh, I think, organisms. also attacks your brain, where gonorrhea yes. does. Yes, yeah, it does. that's yeah. Uh, and he started going crazy at the end, Al Capone. Uh, yeah, it, you go blind and you go insane. Yeah, and, and, wow. and yeah, tough way to go. Yeah, Too much way. of the good life. Too much of a good bad, thing. Yes. The good bad. Yeah. The bad good life. Yeah, right. yeah, Al Capone. Uh, but yeah, he had the syphilis. But listen, I also, what else is going on, man? Because I got something funny to talk about here. Well, let's hit on that and then get to our guest because right. uh, we're, well, we're, we're burning through time. You know, I, I always notice uh, people and, uh, you know, when I'm out, when I do go out, you know, to shop or whatever, the grocery store, and I'm in the, the parking lot of our local grocery store, the same one you go to, I think, every once in a while. Sure, store. sure. And I saw this, uh, this woman, and she was putting groceries in a car, and she had a shirt on that said, you don't have to worry about me. In big, <laughs> bold letters. Black shirt with white type, big, bold type. Shoo. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I wasn't worrying about you to begin with. You know, but now I am. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I don't I care oh, less okay. about yeah. you. Why do you All have right. a shirt like that? In fact, I don't give a fuck who you are. You know, uh, but what does that mean? I mean, there's always something going on. What does that mean? You don't have to worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know it's like when you that's it, it's kind of a, a reverse provocative statement i mean you say you don't have to worry but you know now that you mentioned me worrying about you now i am worrying i don't know i don't know i just found it funny and i just stared at her for like yeah. five <laughs> minutes i just looked at her and was like I, you know I, she pick up on that I, yeah. a little bit i think it was like yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah, was wearing notice. that shirt it was like i don't even know what that means i, I wasn't worried about you you know, I, I, I won't be worried about you. I never would be worried about you. Just go on with okay. your life. You right. know? No harm, no foul. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. It's like, who makes a shirt like that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, well. it, you know, it didn't have any like dot com thing to go to. It just, right. like, you don't have to worry about me. So I don't know, maybe it's like a daughter and her parents were worried about her. Or, you know, maybe uh, she's got children that are worried about her. Or maybe it's a vac shirt. Okay, yeah, that could be true. All right, she's All vaxxed. Right. Maybe that's what she she's means. Vaxxed, or or she doesn't have uh, gonorrhea. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's got the syphilis, though. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get our guest in because she's exciting yes. to me. Yeah, yeah, Aww. yeah. Me too. Thank me too. You. So, uh, so our guest is, is the guest we've had our eye on for a long time. In fact, uh, we had her right, right uh, in the in the starting gate a couple of weeks ago, and then she uh, she she pulled up lame. We'll maybe possibly get into that, but uh, yes, we will. But but uh, you know, unlike some other guests that have balked, uh, uh, she actually she's back. <laughs> it wasn't an excuse, and uh, no. so so uh, our guest is a terrific author, essayist, mm -hmm. poet. 
singer, actress, musician, uh, an L.A. pop cultural historian. Mm -hmm. She's a co-founder and publisher of Punk Hostage Press. Uh, she's uh, been on the board of directors of Beyond Baroque Literary Arts Center for a good long time. Uh, she's a, a recording artist and uh, uh, all kind of books out. We'll get into all that. But without further ado, the great Miss Iris Berry. Welcome, Iris. Hi, you guys. Thanks for hey. having me. Beyond really Baroque is still around? It is still around. Damn. Damn. I know. It's. I mean, there was a few times where it almost got lost, but then it got saved at the, you know, the 11th hour. And, 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 you know, it's important. It's been around since 1972. It started with the Venice Beats. The right, Little yeah. Beat. I remember yeah. going to see Spoken Word there at that old uh, Venice police station. Yes, exactly. Well, they would have poets in the old jail cells reading poems <laughs> and stuff like that. I no going, way, really? Yeah, really? I remember going there like in the late, oh, around 1980, 81. Right, Do when you I was remember like, who was reading? Oh, gosh. Uh, That's amazing. No, I, I don't remember, but it was the old uh, Venice police station where just a few years before they closed it down and they, Beyond Baroque took over, uh, it was still operating. And I was in the car with my mom and my little sister, and my mom got pulled over, and my mom didn't have a license. No way. <laughs> she, she didn't have a driver's <laughs> license. You know, I'm like, you know, seven, eight years old, and they, they bring her into that station. And there's no two, way. two little kids and my mom, well, we oh, were geez. being watched by some officers and the mom was in, in one of the cells. Were you, all in the, were you all in the same cell together? No, 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 no. They didn't put us uh, in the cell. No, it's like no. Mayberry. It's like Mayberry. It could have been, yeah. Otis <laughs> was right next but, to yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, mom, get your act together, man. You don't have a license? <laughs> She's been driving like, since she was like 17 without a license. You just never bothered to get it, you know? But... Anyway, my dad had to come and pay the fine, and we got released, and then we went to Tito's Tacos. Yeah. Nice. nice. So, nice. And so then that, it, that became where Beyond Baroque was? Yeah, because I guess Venice, Venice moved into a new station, because that station was really small and old. And, right. and then these artists and poets in that area, the beach area, took over, and they yep. have this stuff going on, you know, these uh, spoken word stuff. It was most hilarious thing to see, like, somebody, like, in, actual, in an actual cell with bars in front of him reading his poetry. His, his that poetry. is so cool. I would give anything just to see a photo of that. I'm going to have to ask them now. Now I yeah, need to know. Like, got, yeah, maybe they, have, they probably have it in their, you know, in their files, it, yeah, their archives. They, yeah. yeah. yeah they, have they have to. Have to. That. That would be great for an ad too, or a flyer. I mean, right, right, yeah. Well, uh, well, Iris, you know, I realized I left out a uh, uh, my 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 big uh, uh, punchline here, which was I was going to describe you as a, a true Hollywood punk rock literary luminary. And so I want to want to throw that in there. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, and and uh, but. Uh, so you know you 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 have all this this is history and you know L.A. the punk rock era and and up till now still carrying that uh, that that uh, tradition forward. But let's go back okay. to uh, the the formative years of an Iris Berry. And uh, so uh, are you an L.A. native? Yeah, I I'm born and raised. I was born at St. Joe's Hospital in Burbank, but I grew up with my my mom and my three older brothers in a place called Pacoima. 
I don't know if you're familiar with Pacoima. It was like the home of Richie Valens, you know, oh, and now okay. it's, it's home of Danny Trejo. Like there's murals of him in alleys, but it's just, it was just like the bad part of town, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, my mom was a Brooklyn beauty. Both my parents were from the East coast and she was a tough cookie and she raised, you know, all four kids on her own. And so there was no parental guidance. I basically grew up in a chop shop. Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, you know uh, yeah where, they're, where they're cutting up cars, cars. To, uh, to sell on the flipping black market. Them, flipping and lowering them and chopping them. And, uh -huh. and there was a pool table in the garage. Like my brothers were all in gangs and car clubs. And our house was the clubhouse. Like, you know, I mean, people ask me how crazy was Disgraceland. I'm like, Disgraceland was a, was a break after the way yeah. I grew up, and <laughs> you know, it was like, it was a break. And so, I mean, I loved it, but yeah, there was a pool table in the garage and there was just, you know, and my brothers, my mom would leave me with my brothers and my brothers would leave me with their friends and they'd teach me how to play poker and they were telling all these crime stories. I mean, it, and okay, so but here's one. This is this will just explain to you. Like this frames it perfectly. My and my mom was just you know exhausted and just over it. And one day we were in a cab and we came home from like the Broadway. I think I was like four or five, and our house was on fire. Like the garage because mm. they were doing all this stuff in the garage with chemicals, you know, painting and all that. <clears throat> and my mom Torches, just sure. my mom just looked at the cab driver and just went, "Ugh, keep driving." <laughs> and I swear, like, I have to say that it wasn't probably not the first time the house was on fire and probably not the last. It was okay. just, yeah. So that's, that's how I grew up. And, you know, they were all into Motown and then that, that transitioned, you know, into, um, you know, into like Lou Reed and so, the Velvet Underground and so your parents settled from the East Coast. They went to Pacoima. That's like the North Valley, man. You're like way out there, aren't you? Well, yeah, but first they were in, um, um, you know, uh, Hooper Street. They they were in South Central first. Oh, I mean, okay. these areas, so Pacoima was a move up, but they're all, you know, low-income areas. That, yeah. Like they got the house on my dad's GI loan, you know, which was really, you know, that was when you could, you know, when it was like America, you know, come here and have your dreams come true, you know, and right. LA and California and Hollywood was paradise, especially when you're from, you know, concrete New York. Right. And the Valley back then, I'm sure, what was this in the sixties? It was, yeah, it was the sixties and it was beautiful. I so mean, it was like, wide open. Orange trees. Yeah. Yeah. And orange trees open. everywhere. Yeah. Like right. we just grew up with all kinds of fruit trees. It was beautiful. I mean, yeah, it was crazy, the, but beautiful. The, the handsome dam is out there, isn't it? Yes. yes the and dam. we used to ride on those horses, and they'd always, like, they'd go, like, five feet and go right back to the stable. <laughs> I took it personal. I took it personal. But, yeah, handsome dam and dead man's curve and right, right, um, right, all right, that. Right. Yeah. 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 Sunland mm -hmm. Tahanga, all that. It was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, you know, like the wild, wild west. It was wide open. So, uh, so you, you go to high school and then you, uh, you, uh, set your sights on Hollywood, something like well, that. Well, here's what happened. So I barely, like when I was in high school, I was just like, I was interested in creative stuff. I don't know where or how, because none of my friends were into that, but somehow I had a drive to be creative. So I said, I'm not taking, I'm just taking the classes I want to take. So I took like art and amazingly enough PE and like creative writing. And I just 
And, and like, and my mom said, look, you got to take a typing class because men don't marry strippers. If you don't take a typing <laughs> class, I'm kicking you out. Like, <laughs> swear to God. And I got an A. I mean, I needed it anyway because of being a writer. But, right. um, but so like the, you know, it was time to graduate. My counselor was like, you're not going to graduate. You didn't take any of the required stuff. <laughs> well, I just took what I wanted. Like, it's not like, I mean, I cut school too, to get high with my friends, but I liked school. I liked the classes I liked. And I promised him I would go to summer school. Just, you know, it was like, my mom has a heart condition and I have to graduate. And so mm -hmm. he let me graduate. And then I think I went to summer school. I think I probably punked out on that. But but anyway, so what happened is there was this biker bar down the street from me called the Rock Corporation. And I got a fake ID, like right after high school, I got a fake ID. I was 17 out of the back of the free press. Remember the free press? Yeah, sure. LA Free Press. Yeah, yeah. yeah LA Free Press, Art Kunkin. Um and I got a job there during the day, like working in the office or whatever. And they, and like, there was this little band that would play there every Saturday night called Van Halen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they were the house band. And um, like, it was owned by a biker. And then the, the silent partner was allegedly um, Benji Siegel, Bugsy Siegel's illegitimate son, like total, oh. total gangster. Um, and, um, so they started having punk bands like on Wednesday nights. And that's when I met, like I was in the bathroom and it was like, I think it was Trudy and Pleasant and Belinda and Margot and, you know, just a bunch of these girls and they were dressed in those like, you know, polka dotted dresses, vintage dresses and like black lipstick. And I go, why do you, and I'm like wearing like Chemin de Fur and like a, a halter top, you know, like I'm just so from, <laughs> so like from the Valley, you You're know, the Valley and girl. Yeah. I was the Valley girl and my gloss, you know, clear gloss lipstick. And they, I go, why do you guys want to make yourselves ugly? And they looked at me <laughs> and they go, no, it's not ugly. It's beautiful kind of like the Manson girls. Like that's what it felt like uh -huh. to me. But they took me under their wing and we became, you know, I became really good friends. I mean, Pleasant and I ended up being, be you know, best friends and living together. But so, so that- when you say Pleasant, that's Pleasant Game and yeah, you're speaking pleasant about just because all of our listeners oh, sorry. don't yeah. know about, I, about all the, the pleasant, last names of these pleasant people. Pleasant Game and-, and, and how um, is she today? She's amazing. She's like- otherworldly she's um we just put out her book on punk hostage press rock and roll witch she's oh, doing great now, yeah. didn't she, she used to didn't she write for the la weekly yeah she started yeah. the lottie da call lottie da that's it yeah lottie da she started the, the very last page of the weekly was what was happening around which town. was the only reason then to get that paper is what i thought i mean and also things work to see bounds and stuff well the angriest dog in the world was always funny to yes me. Yeah. that was amazing <laughs> yeah what that was the name all, of the artist that was david lynch uh was it yeah david lynch no way wow. well i don't know if he did the artwork but i know he did the captions i think or maybe vice versa i don't know but wow. pleasant i mean if you got written up in la di da that was a big thing yeah, yeah. It's kind of the the the, the punk rock uh, gossip column. Yeah, it right? was right. kind of like, oh, we saw Manny Chevrolet at Club This and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, Manny yeah. was wearing a tie but no pants. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, and you wouldn't remember until you read it in La Dida. You're like, oh my god, I did that. Just kind of piece your whole weekend together. Right. Yeah, yeah. Based yeah. on, on that's uh, funny uh, context clues. Yeah. Exactly.
Yeah. Well, so so you meet uh, Pleasant uh, in in this uh, this this bathroom, ladies' room, powder room. I like to call it. I like that. Um, uh, yeah, because you know, I, I recently had that thought. It's like, oh yeah, people go in there and do powder cocaine. It's good good to call it a powder room. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so do you immediately get uh, recruited into the the, the apartment as uh, known as Disgraceland? No, from- Dr- Disgraceland wasn't around then. Like they okay. had, they were all living. Um, on San Vicente, like right, well, first they were living on Palm. It's weird how this happened because, so my mom comes home from Las Vegas. Um, I was 19 and she's like, I'm married, goodbye, I'm out of here. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, you can keep the apartment. I'm like, with what job? And she was like, cause she was done. She was done. You know, she wanted to have her new life. And her, my then stepfather didn't want to deal with ki- the kids, which, I don't blame him, you know? Yeah. We were we were trouble anyway. I mean, everybody grew up fine, but we were we were troublemakers. I mean, we were troublemakers. Like I, I we broke everything. Like we were always getting kicked out of Disneyland. My one brother like sh- you know, we were on the catwalk for Bush Gardens and my I saw it. My brother it was like slow motion. My brother goes watch this and my other brother like hawks a big green loogie into the hops. These boiling hops, right? <laughs> oh, and God. we're like literally escorted out. They're like by by their shirt collars and my mom's like you're walking home like they were always walking home to learn a lesson, which they never did. But so we were troublemakers and, you know, he, my stepdad did not want to take that on and I don't blame him. So she leaves and I moved to Hollywood with my first punk rock boyfriend and we moved to Palm Avenue and Pleasant, all them, like Dennis Crosby Pleasant, um, I believe Kid Congo, all, just all that group of punkers, Darby, they lived in an apartment building across the street from me. Darby then, Crash, right? Yeah, Dar- okay. yeah, sorry, Darby Crouch. Okay. I do I need to say everyone's last names? Well, no, well, I mean, yeah, just, for the just, trouble for the troubled nation you do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I okay, okay. Yeah, Darby Crouch and Paul Beam. And so um then we moved me and my punk rock boyfriend, we moved, I think it was 1980. Yeah, we moved one block over to San Vicente and then they all moved like one block over to San Vicente like to Joan Jett's house. So they were right like if, Every day at five o'clock, I'd walk up to the whiskey and I'd pass their crazy house and I'd go in with the sound check and I would just stay. And I saw like the most amazing bands, you know, like The Clash, The Dead Boys, um, you know, The Damned, like every every great nice. punk band. Yeah. So they our lives sort of paralleled, but like I was with my boyfriend and I hadn't really just totally dove in with them. You know what I mean? I was just yeah. I was, that girl with my boyfriend was your and boyfriend then, in a band no he no. wasn't but he looked like he should have been <laughs> i mean yeah good enough for me his and so anyway but he was british like he was a british punk rocker so oh. that that totally worked you know at that time right. i was like okay this feels like punk rock and so then we broke up oh god the night of the john lennon murder like that's mm. such a crazy story but I'll just right now just say, you know, he moved he moved in with like Neil Young's ex-wife and um left me for her and then I moved I moved uh, um I moved into this place called the Slab Lab because we were losing our they were leveling our apartment. And so there was a punk like crash pad called the Slab Lab off of Sunset. You know, it was like uh, just a lot of 
you know, like rock bottom in this spot. Was that right between there. Sunset and Fountain? It was on Sunset across oh. the street from like the um the where the Roxbury was. It was right okay. by the booth. It was right by Bullwinkle and the and um Rocky. I was just hopping around for a while and um and then I lived at this mansion on Highland and Third that just happened to be down the street from Bob and Carrie's house and that's a crazy story too. I mean, I write a lot about it in my book, The Daughters of Bastards, because I got arrested and then, um, like for sa sa sales of drugs, and Carrie bailed me out with the deed of Neil Young's house. Wow, that's, that's Carrie, Carrie Snodgrass. Yeah, you're Carrie Snodgrass, about. and who's okay. no longer with us. She may she rest in peace. And yes. because. The, it was such a, you know, the stakes were so high. She had these like two biker guys following me around town to make sure I didn't leave town. Like, like four <laughs> in the morning, they'd knock on the door in this house. They had like the, the loudest door knocker and it was hell on a hangover. And so like, they'd be like, hey, Iris, just making sure you're still here. And finally, I just like started, I made peace with it. I'd bake them cookies and we became friends. <laughs> And I got off, but um, so yeah. And then I, you know, I moved a couple more times. And like 1984 is when I ended up at Disgraceland. Okay. Yeah. So, so Disgraceland—that's a kind of a communal apartment. A lot of people are going in and out. Belinda Carlisle from the Go Go's yeah. is, is living there before the Go Go's. Uh, yeah. Kinda, well, kinda, it's before enduring. I mean, she was still living right. there when they went up to number one. Right. So, so, but that's a place that a lot of people went through, and and and. Uh, famously, I think that's where, you, or or is that where you met our 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 recently departed friend Carlo Nucio? Yeah, Carlo. Um, yeah, I'm so sad about that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I was living there. Yeah, we were doing um, the um, like one of our first Ringling Sisters fundraisers, you know, for the Hollygrove Children Orphanage, and Carlo was the sound man at the time at Raji's and. Like we had done, um, we had done like the John Anson Ford Theater, just like a big show with like the Chili Peppers and Laughing Sam's Dice and like the Ringling Sisters were hosting it. And <laughs> Carlo and I both had like these boa fans because it was really hot and we were so high on mushrooms. I'm allowed to talk about that, right? <laughs> sure, absolutely. We were so high on mushrooms and because we're both sitting on the side of the stage and at one point we would look at each other and we just start cracking up and then he's like, I we both realized that the feathers were gone. Like we'd used them so much that we had no more feathers left on our <laughs> on our boa fan. And that's just something to the to the end of time that he and I would let's laugh about. And you know he 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 was great, and he was great on your show. I loved hearing him tell his stories. What a talent! Yeah. What a talented man. Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, larger than life. Yeah. Well, well uh, you know, and, and you're you just starting to touch on the Ringling Sisters, and I want to get into all that, but I'm thinking, Manny, maybe we should take our break now and then come back and we can uh, yes. take all of this yes. in one big bite. Iris, uh, we usually take a break around this time to refill our libations or maybe use the restroom. The nation knows the drill. So, Iris, <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Sixty watt reality. Soft bow.
Dim the lights. If he don't want to. He don't have to. See. The way it really is. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Miss Iris Barry. Now, Iris, I know that uh, you are a, a dedicated listener to the show, so so you you must be familiar with our trials and travails on the uh, the uh, the sponsorship front. I am, and yes, 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 and and we're we're back to our original sponsor, Loose Change. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard us talk about that, Manny. Tell tell the folks about Loose Change a little bit, Iris Nation. Loose Change is everywhere. It's all over the place. You're probably sitting on it right now. <laughs> it's in your car. It's in your couch. It's in your dresser drawers. You mm-hmm. might even have a jar of it just hanging around. You know, yes. people like yes. to just throw their change. You know, they they don't want to. I don't like carrying it. It jiggles sure. in my pocket and stuff like that. It yes, makes it me, gives you away. It gives away your location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, the good thing is uh, we have something you can do with this loose change. You know, we have a, we have a solution. Uh, you, know, you can use it finally, finally. <laughs> you can use it to support the Troubled Men podcast. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you, you, you don't like, like the old uh, soupy sales show. You don't have to put the, the, the coins or the bills in an envelope. We have uh, modern technology. We have a PayPal link and a Venmo link that uh, you can keep it nice and clean. You can send it to us, uh, you know, if you're enjoying the show, listening to it. And, uh, geez, incredible guests like uh, Iris Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy cow, where are you, you going to find guests like that? You know, so, uh, you know, uh, support the podcast, people. You know, uh, we, we have those, those links. They're in the, the show notes of every show. They're in the, the Facebook page, the, the pinned uh, uh, post right up there. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of Facebook, you know, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, you know, you can share the posts around and, uh, you know, uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, rate and review. Give us five stars. Doesn't cost you anything. Have we ever gotten five stars from anybody? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's all we get is five stars. Oh man. really? Yeah, okay. yeah. No, we like to keep it all five stars. You know, that uh, nice, clean, clean uh, five star rating. And uh, you know, we we have the uh, the Troubled Men podcast T-shirts, and and I've been. Uh, promoting those a little bit on the on the facebook page oh. and actually one of our listeners and an old friend of mine i graduated from high school with uh chimed in and said you know i would like a, a shirt that doesn't say podcast it just has i heard logo. that i saw that i read that and and That's you know cool. she's, did you uh, tell him the fuck off 
Well, no, because no, no. she's, she's a, a former, oh. a former record company oh, okay. uh, advertising executive, and, uh-huh. I, and she was explaining to me that, uh, well, you know, you keep it a little mysterious, you know, so maybe people come up and ask about what is what is troubled men, what does that mean, and you get a chance to explain. It's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I can see why you're the professional. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we now have an option. We we still have the option that says troubled men podcast, but we have a second option that just says has the logo troubled men. So it's uh, available. In and uh, 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 men's sizes, a women's cut in women's sizes, as well as a unisex tank top. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're available for a gift-giving season. So and, when uh, someone mm-hmm. who's wearing that shirt that just says Troubled Man and someone comes up and says, what does that mean? Can we re- give her uh, her phone number or his phone number to, <laughs> to explain it? Well, you know, I, I guess the wearer will will it'll be up to them to decide what they want to say about the troubled men, and uh, you know, it's 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 up to each individual. It's there. It's like uh, what's the thing where you know everybody sees something different, and they you know it's it's uh, I don't know. There's some, those uh, some those pictures, Horshat, uh, what a Borshat, Rorschach. Rorschach. Yeah, it's a yeah, like like Ivy Rorschach. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, poison Ivy Rorschach. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, moving on, and and again, uh, you know, we we were talking last uh, last week about how we we had the the reappearance of our old buddy uh, Brent Ryder, yeah, another L.A. guy from the the old punk rock days, and uh, you know, he was telling me about he he has his uh, his uh, uh, Great Escape Baking Company. He's 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 focusing on that and and kind of put the Velo Bar on the side and. Uh, you know, I guess I guess he was telling you about all. You know, he has all the great uh, Delta Eight uh, edible products, the cookies, oh, the yeah. uh, the the uh, the brownies, oh, uh, yeah. rice crispy treats, oh, the, all yeah. that shit gets you high, man. And then as well as uh, some other stuff, I see they even have uh, some some Delta Eight dog treats <laughs> if does, you want to get your dog. Does high. he have a cake that a fi- it comes with a file in it? I mean, great escape. Well, uh. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's you're escaping in your mind. Right. You know, it's okay. A, it's, an, a, it's a psychological escape, and uh, well. and so you know he's he's not on he's not in a position to uh, sponsor the podcast, but uh, uh, you know we're trying to help a buddy out, and uh, you know if you want to support a friend of the podcast, we are uh, throwing the uh, the link to the Great Escape uh, Baking Company there in the show notes, and he even uh, put a, a, a troubled one five promo code where you get a fifteen percent off just. Just uh, well, I'll tell you, I've been using the uh, uh, the uh, herbs, the oils on my arthritis, and it helps big time. What's that healing dragon? Yeah, the healing healing dragon, dragon, man. That stuff is good on my knees, man. So good, right? Right, right. You You don't want to eat that, but no, 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 no. You just rub it, you know, with a cotton swab. Yeah, Yeah, you take a cotton ball and you rub it around your wherever it hurts arthritically. You know, sure. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's working big time for me. I tell you. Okay, good uh, deal. So shout out to Brant Ryder and uh, the Great Escape uh, Baking Company. Yeah, and uh, I think that probably uh, uh, that's enough of that. Uh, so back to our guest, the great Miss Iris <laughs> Berry. Now, yeah. Iris, uh, when we last left you, you were you were uh, you were in disgrace land. You're mentioning the the Ringling Sisters, but so so living there. Uh, when do you start playing music? Because I know you you're in bands like uh, the lame flames uh, yeah. uh, pink pink sabbath yeah. uh, you also worked with the dickies and the flesh eaters yeah. and on and on so how, how yeah. did that start out it was it was just well i was 
I was living at Disgraceland and um, I'd just been gifted. Dave Allen gave me like a 63 Red Thunderbird for as a birthday gift. Nice. I what know. What a sweet guy what that a Dave great Allen gift. <laughs> so, I mean, Dave was very crucial. Even in just the forming of the Ringling Sisters, he was really crucial. Um, and, and I'm always grateful. Um, but so I was driving around this car and I ran into the Lame Flames at you know, the sound check, which was a bar on, on Sunset and Vine. And it was famous for its Sunday night jam nights. Do you guys remember that? Where everybody played? I do. The and the Vandals. It was right. just, you know, people would just sign up and play. I mean, it was wild. And it was also silently owned by Eddie Nash. I don't know if people know that. But so mm, there was really? a lot, I didn't a know lot that. going didn't know on that. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, I drove up into the back parking lot and I ran into the lame flames and they're like, I was like, Hey, you guys like my new car. And they're like, Oh my God, it's amazing. It's the perfect lame flame car. And I go, it really is. And they're like, do you want to join the band? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like it was just like that. And sure. I, I, like Clayton was, you know, with Gore and she was, she was kind of, you know, doing her, her amazing painting. And I think, Anne, you know, just, it was just like time. They were, they were, you know, time for them to take a break. So they needed at least one more girl. And there I was, I drove up in that red 63 Thunderbird and it was just the, you know, nice. it just, it all, it just happened like that. So I joined the band and um, that was amazing. That was something happened there. You know, when you have magic with people creatively, mm -hmm. we had that and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was also, you know, bands get hellish, you know, um, but I have to say that we're all still really great friends. Like Mandy and I talk like 40 times a day, you know, like okay. I'm grateful. I mean, okay, 40, it's an exaggeration, but you know no, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So while I was in the lame flames, okay. So here's the transition from the lame flames to the ringling sisters. So Dave Alvin and I, he comes and gets me for lunch and we go to Millie's in Silver Lake. When it was, and all it was was a counter then. This was 1985 or 86. And it was a, just, you know, just a counter. It was one room. And there was someone that worked there. And at this time, Dave was like in X. And he was in the Knitters. And he was, was forming his, you know, his solo project. He'd left the Blasters. And this person that worked there, who shall remain nameless, um, said, Hey, Dave, will you do a benefit for my divorce fees? <laughs> and I was pissed. Like we left and I go, you know what? I am like Christmas was coming or maybe it was Easter. I was just like, what about people? Like she's at her job saying this to us. Like I'm sure she needed the money. And I, you know, I, maybe I was a little hard. I reacted harshly, but I go, what about the real needy people? So I went home to Pleasant and I said, let's do a benefit. Let's do a holiday benefit. So I called, um, and we weren't even the Ringling Sisters yet. Um, we were G.O.D., Girls of Disgraceland. <laughs> How convenient. Oh, and nice. um, we um, we did, um, I called like the Children's Hospital on Sunset, you know, in Hollywood. And I, I, I offered that we, you know, because I wanted to put it on the flyer. And they said, you can't you're not a corporation. It's illegal. And, you know, I kind of, it kind of woke me up like, Oh yeah, because there's fraudulent people out there that are just, you know, going to say that and do another. Um, mm. So I found Holly Grove children orphanage and I called them and I told them, look, if we call it a fundraiser, 
like and keep it you know keep it like that not so legal can we donate to you will you accept our donation and they're so happy about it so that's how it started with holly grove children yeah. orphanage it was, it was at raji's and um it was amazing like mark rude did the flyer it was a bunch of drunk rain beer reindeers on um in a convertible and like everybody played like the knitters played you know dave the blasters played um um i think screaming jay hawkins was on that one as a matter of fact like it was it was like a, a full bill but it was really fun like people would sneak in the back door like steve olson you know the skater he snuck in the mm. back door and then came up front to pay like he just nice. didn't want to wait in line like he, there was something really amazing you know it just brought the city together and it started a great tradition and so what happened is pleasant and i we were like uh, so i worked at cbs mtm's studios during the day don't ask me how i pulled that up i do not know but i i had like a real job as a producer's assistant and max tash was my boss he's he um he was you know a big help and he wrote and directed the running kind which was the the scream and sirens movie which we can get into later uh. but anyway he you know he gave me this great job i had my own parking space with my name on it so pleasant right. and i were making these chapbooks of our poetry and um and um oh, what the hell no. is that i apologize it sounds like uh, angels it's like angels that, somebody's like getting sound. their wings um <laughs> so we would and i had keys to the place so at night we went in and we made these chapbooks we like used their xerox machine and we made up a bunch and then we'd go in bars and sell them for drinks or whatever you know and nice. Gary Eaton and Dave Catchings, you know, Dave of De Eagles of Death Metal. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say Dave Catching. He's he's the ubiquitous Dave Catching. You know, we had him. He was an early guest on the show. And, nice. And almost any guest that, that's from, uh, I, like, Dave Catching comes up in so many people's. He's everywhere. <laughs> he's he's amazing. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's him like and a talented, nice guy. Everybody likes to be around. You're like, sure, yeah. Dave. Yeah. He's the best. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. That's okay. And um, so Dave and Gary got one of our chapbooks and they were like, first song, like Dave Alvin and I wrote this piece called 56 Reasons to Go Downtown. And mm. they were like, do you mind if we put music to that? And I was like, no, go for it. And then there was another piece that Plez wrote called Kimberly Rose. And they said, can we do this one too? And we're like, yeah. And before you knew it, they had put music to all of our words. Wow. And I was like, Plez, we need more women. Let's get other women that are lead singers of bands. And that's when we pulled in Jeanette Napolitano of Concrete Blonde, Texacala Jones from Tex and the Horseheads, Debbie Dexter from The Devil Squares, and Debbie Patino from Ra Zebra, and then later Annette Zelinska from Blood on the Saddle and The Bangers. Nice. But so we just were doing it as like kind of a spoken wordy music-y thing, and it – crazy crazy things happen lou adler you know Lou of like the yeah. mamas and papas fame and like right. he owns all of sunset boulevard and probably all of the 60s he uh. got interested and he signed we he signed us to ode records which was you know an affiliate of a and m and um we were really new at that time and it was it, probably the worst thing that could have happened to us to get signed to get signed that early because we weren't we weren't really a band and we all had our other bands that were really important to us and they were like what do you mean you're in other bands like 
you can't be in other bands. We're like, but we are. Like, the, hmm. you know, the record company right. didn't understand that because no one else was doing that until the Traveling Wilburys, which I completely say that they ripped us off. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Um, sure, kind, sure. kind of. But anyway, um, so yeah, it was a lot of pressure and, you know, it was just, it, it just, you know, then Polygram bought A&M Records and we just got lost in their shuffle. So, right. um, but we, you know, we, we all took a break and everybody sort of like Debbie had a baby and, you know, everybody just sort of like, I started to do Pink Sab with, with Mandy again and Plez was doing Honk If You're Horny and I was doing that too. And so was Annette. And then I said, Hey, let's, why don't we do another benefit? I think it was like 1994 and um, we hadn't done one since the eighties. And so I think we booked either the palace or the Roxy. I think it was the palace. Yeah, it was mm. the palace. And it was huge and it sold out and people like famous people were trying to get on the guest list and people had bootlegged our t-shirt and like we're selling them on the sidewalk and we're like we've made Jeez. it. They're bootlegging <laughs> for sure. And at one point I go me and Annette go into the box office, Rick Van Satin from, you know, Golden Voice cuz they were our underwriters. He was laying on the ground, like having a full on temper tantrum, you know, when someone like kicks and, you know, like beats their f hands against the pavement, he was saying, <laughs> it's a goddamn benefit. Nobody's on the guest list. <laughs> and we just look at each other and we're like, let's get out of here. You know, because it was like, it was too much. It was insane. It was out of control, but we raised a shitload of money for each charity got like 25 grand. And there was oh, like so six fantastic. charities. Yeah, it was amazing. So um, that's, I mean, you know, and then of course we did more, but that's that's how it happened. It was really organic. That's so cool. So cool. Now, now uh, I was reading in your bio, you said, uh, you know, a poet influenced by Dr. Seuss, Jim Morrison, <laughs> and Alan Sherman, who's the, the, the writer of... Uh, uh, Hello, Mada. Hello, Fada. Right, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I oh. think, you know, he was like my first rhymy influence. Like okay. then Dr. Seuss, then Grim Fairy Tales, then Jim Morrison. But, um, you know, I grew up in a, our house was really musical. And like, not only was there a lot of Motown music being played, and then eventually, you know, like I said, the Beatles and, you know, Velvet Underground, but we had Alan Sherman's record playing on all the time. And just hysterical you know that song i'll never forget it so yeah he was an influence nice nice <laughs> well so so the ringling sisters that that's not the last kind of spoken word stuff that you that you did right i mean you, no. you went on to to make other uh like life on the edge and stilettos right it's, uh... on sst yeah that was this my spoken words um solo record which i gotta tell you guys that was scary because it was the first time I didn't have anybody to hide behind. I couldn't behind, you know, I can't hide behind the other singers, can't hide behind the guitar player. You know what I mean? Like it was a stark realization how much I really, you know, depended on my other band members. I mean, I thought it was a moment of freedom, but I realized it was more, it was a new kind of cage. Right. 
Yeah. There's something about being in a band, you know, it's like, uh, there, there really is like people talk about, uh, Tom Petty, you know, it's like, Oh, Tom Petty could do, uh, why does he have the heartbreakers? He writes all the songs. He gets, it's like, cause he likes being in a band. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he, yeah. He likes having some, some company, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and inspiration and people to collaborate with. I mean, that's and people to blame too. <laughs> Yeah, sure. and that asked, oh, for sure. That was that should be top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I did that, and then I was um, that was produced by Harvey Kubernick, the great yeah. Harvey Kubernick. Yeah, he was right amazing. On. Yeah, and then I um, I got to pu I published. I got published. My first book was published. Um, uh, Two blocks east of Vine by Incommunicado Press, and you know just that was another fluke like gary um hurst has called me and he was like i understand i've heard your record can you send me some of your stuff and he was in san diego and i mailed it to him on a thursday i mailed it to them i printed it mm -hmm. out i mailed like <laughs> once upon a time that's what we did right sure. and um he got it and by tuesday i was signing a contract for uh two blocks east of vine so that was my wow, I'm, first role. I'm getting chills at the story. Really? <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love the way that shit works. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, the crazy part is it took a really long time. Like it took like till 94. So like these writers now, I just want to say to them, you have no, like when they're in a hurry, I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, and honestly, I really believe this guys that every creative project takes on a life of its own. Like sometimes you're not supposed to rush things, you know? Right. But, but so it took like four years and I was in the studio with the Ringling sisters. I think it was studio 56 on Santa Monica. And we were recording the soundtrack for this movie called bar girls and me and Annette, we had just done some vocals, like some backup vocals. And we were walking out of the booth, walking down the hall. And I just, I just started saying it out loud. I want my book. I want my book. I want my book. Like just, I don't know. I just felt like saying that. And we opened the door to another one of the booths where everybody was mixing. And my publisher was sitting there with a box of 500 books for me. Uh, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I want a million dollars too. But um, <laughs> so, I mean, it took a long time. That's what, you know, I was just thinking about this. People like Dave Travis recorded every one of the Ringling Sisters shows and along with so many other bands. But it was all on VHS. So you had to have a VHS player. And I mean, I still have them in storage, but like, I don't think these children understand how, like, you just didn't just like record something and then send it to your friend in a text message. You know, right. everything took time. And I'm not, and I, I loved that. I'm, I'm not against it, actually. Like there was, there, it left room for a lot of soul. And and gestation and you know development of you know like actually uh, improving your craft and it's yeah. crazy as the story like the way your story you know starts with one thing and leads to something else and, and leads to something else and you know if uh, you know you didn't do any of this with the idea that oh this is going to lead me somewhere that I want to go you just did it because you were moved to do it exactly and that was amazing. And that's what I loved about living at Disgraceland because, you know, we just like we were all in bands and we'd wake up and, you know, hung over or whatever, have coffee, go to rehearsal, 
do the show, have a part, take the club back to the house, you know, wash, rinse, and repeat. Just we just <laughs> lived that, and it. I mean, I knew it was great at the time, but now I really, you know, there's no way that could happen now. You know, it's too expensive. I think my rent. I took Belinda's room in the back. Oh my God, that room, and um, I. Um, I think I was paying 60 bucks, like splitting the rent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do you live now, Iris? I live in West Hills in the Valley. Oh, okay. So you went back to the Valley. Yeah, I did go back to the Valley. And I mean, I do love the Valley. I, you know, I grew up here and I, you know, it's the sunsets with those same telephone poles with those same palm trees and those silhouettes just always are always going to move me. You know, nice. I, and there's tons of parking. Like I'm like, good. Don't come to the valley. More parking. Good park. <laughs> Easy to park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always, yeah. always yeah. a plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just to to touch briefly, just to to show how all these things are connected. I I, I love this because L.A. is such a big city. But the, the punk scene was, you know, you would think it would be huge, but it's, it seemed everybody knew each other. Like, uh, you yeah. know, uh, you, so you were a bartender at the, the Cafe de Grand at yeah. one time? Yeah, that was my first job. And I mean, in that, like, bartending, like, um, and it was, everybody did know each other. It was like punk rock Mayberry. I swear. Yeah, so, like, so at the time that Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs are playing there and yeah. Steve Berlin and Dave Alvin, yeah. that's where those guys and, yeah. and and TSOL and Detox and Texas. The mentors, and, the mentors and, play. Oh my God. Okay. Can, I tell, you, can I tell you my yeah. LDJ story? At the cafe? <laughs> okay. So it was Mark Roots, Mad Mark Rude, who was an amazing illustrator and pretty much reinvented the skull in the 80s and did everybody's album cover. Um, it was his 31st birthday. And he and I were on a tear. Like, I think Friday night we started at, at El Coyote. I mean, I have pictures of me like holding his head up out of his food, you know, like we we're just <laughs> so drunk. And I think by Sunday we hadn't slept. I honestly don't mm. know how that happened, but we hadn't slept. And there was, you know, the sun, like there was the Sunday club going on at, at the Cafe de Grand and it started at three. And so they were like the horse heads, hard as nails, cheap as dirt and detox played for Mark Rude's birthday. Okay. So, it's pretty much day three for me without sleep. And at some point, you know, I'm getting tired. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like I hear my name being called like from a long, long, far away tunnel. And, and it's getting louder and louder. And I kind of just, I wake up, I, I'd like crawled into one of those brown horseshoe red leather booths and I wake up, but I didn't know where I was. I didn't know. And I look and the face in front of me (laughs) is El Duce. And I thought I was in his bed and I, (laughs) and I loved Elton. Don't get me wrong. He was a perfect gentleman to me, but still, you know, like Mark Root would have killed him. Something bad would have happened. It's just not a, not a bright idea. And, and God bless him. But, I started screaming and he's screaming. We're both screaming at each other's faces. And that's oh. how they found us. <laughs> <laughs> I was you were mad. screaming because he was there. And he was screaming because you were screaming. screaming. <laughs> and, and I cannot tell you guys how happy I was to realize there was that 
pole between us, you know, the pole that'll yeah. the table. It's like, okay, nothing happened. Like my clothes are uh, on, I'm intact. Like uh, <laughs> this is just random accident, you know? <laughs> well, I remember a cafe to grant for some reason, I don't know why it happened, but I was, anytime I went to a gig there, I was able to find parking right in front of the club. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what that was. I mean, people were like walking blocks and blocks, but it was just like a kismet for me. I was like, oh, there's a gig there, and I would park right in front of the club. No problem. You had good, you had good parking juju. Yeah, I, I just yeah. had good parking. But my El Duce story from Cathay de Grand is, kind of, yeah. is, is kind of brutal. Is uh, The mentors are playing. Mm-hmm. And do you remember uh, a Belissa Cohen? Yes, of course. She took on La Dida. Yeah, she took over La Dida. Well, she's there, and... The band is just riding her big time. They're just mm. giving her the shit. The gig's over. The mentors were, you mean? Yeah, the mentors were, yeah. Right. Okay. And she was, she was yelling back at them and stuff. And the gig's over. The club is closing. And, and she, she makes the biggest mistake of walking up to El Duce. <laughs> and she says, you know, we have a lot of things in common. And... <laughs> He looked at her, he looked at her and says, the only, now this is kind of brutal. He says, the only thing we have in common is my dick in your ass. Gotta love Elton. Yeah. That is like tame for him. Yeah, that was tame for him, really, if you think about it. Absolutely. But she she just kind of like, she shrunk her body. like It just like shrunk like <laughs> Jabba the Hutt melting or whatever, you know? Yeah, he zinged her. He got her. Oh, yeah, he got mm. her and she she walked away. And, uh, you know, we, I, I look forward to the next Lottie Dove. She was going to talk about it, but she never did. Uh, she probably wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. No, right. no. But, yeah, wow. he died. He had a, cr- a horrible death, didn't he? Did he die what? on the yeah. rail? He yeah. died on the railroad tracks or something. Fell asleep on the railroad yeah, tracks. Yeah, he fell asleep right? on the railroad What do we that's think about story, that? Anyway. What do we think about that? That uh, seems fishy to me. But yeah. Uh, like, why would he be on the railroad tracks? How did he get there? He missed his train? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw I saw a movie uh, back there in the, I don't know, the uh, 2000s. Uh, talks a lot about that. I think uh, that uh, Kurt, okay. Kurt and Courtney movie uh, might. Oh, might, well, uh, yeah. He was. He had some kind of conspiracy theory that he held on her, didn't he? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. He talks He talks to the guy making the movie, and then uh, six weeks later, he uh, falls asleep on the railroad tracks. I'm not saying they're related, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, right. Just anyway, very <laughs> bad yeah, pure, pure bad timing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Right. So you're you're doing all this writing. Uh, at some point, uh, I, I know we're coming up on the tenth anniversary of the eleven hostage press. The eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Okay. I'm not good at math. That's okay. But, uh, Thank you. But so tell us tell us about punk hostage press. Okay. So punk hostage press is another happy accident. Okay. So a razor and I on January the thirteenth of 2012, Friday the 13th, we launched Punk Hostage Press. It was only to do two books, mine and his. That's it. Because he, um, you know who Luis Rodriguez is? He he runs the Tia Chucha Cultural Center. It was in Pacoima. I think it's in Silmar now. And he's ran for, I think he's ran for for governor for, you know, a few times. He's, he's an amazing man. He was in gangs and he went to prison and now he helps guys transition out. And he's written a lot of great books. And 
Razor wanted him to publish it. And we, we drove up there on a Sunday to Pacoima. And I'm like, Razor, I've spent my life trying to get out of Pacoima. And here you are dragging me back. <laughs> and we laughed. And we met with Luis. And it was five minutes. And he was lovely. But he just said, I want to publish your book. Because I was going to edit it. And he goes, I want to publish your book. But can you wait three years? And w- we both felt kind of dissed. Like, what are you talking about? Like, three years. Yeah. And and he said, but you know, why don't you guys just publish it yourself? And you might as well have just said to me, why don't you just rebuild the Empire State Building by hand? I was like, that was just the most insane concept. I was like, are you kidding me? And then like a week later, Razor's texting me. He's back um, in Richmond um, over in Oakland. And I'm on my porch in Woodland Hills. And he's like, so do you want to start a publishing company? And I go, okay. And he goes, what should we call it? And I go, punk hostage. And that was literally my URL on MySpace. <laughs> it was my URL on MySpace. And he goes, yes. So we launched it. But here's the best part of this story. So uh, Bucky Sinister introduced Razor and I, because Razor moved out here like in 2006 from, from, um, from Oakland. And, um, we, as far as we knew, you know, this is, we're meeting. I mean, we had seen each other around our lives had paralleled. He was, you know, doing poetry in the eighties and doing chapbooks and he lived at hotel hell, you know, garden mm-hmm. courts apartments. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was in bands and, you know, came to the zero and, but we didn't know each other, know each other. So I'm telling him about this one time because, you know, I worked at the zero zero for John Pokna and Dave Lee Roth and, they were doing the Us Festival and the famous underground club that yeah. uh, after hours club, yeah, right? Yeah, and where Top Jimmy was the bartender, and like they that's, um, the, that's the place where I came up to David Lee Roth and I said, "You got that twenty bucks you owe me?" <laughs> Did <laughs> he, he said, give it to you? He gave me twenty bucks. Love it! I love <laughs> it! I love it! You should ask for more. Well, I know it back then. Yeah, I should have asked for more, but twenty bucks back then was a lot more than it is now. It was like a hundred. It was like a hundred. Yeah, 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 it was like a hundred bucks back then. Yeah. So, so he was a silent owner with John Pokna and uh, Wayzata. I think was no longer Wayzata to Cameron, who is in the um, the that band, the Brainiacs. He was no longer involved in this this mix. He had he had a different. I think he moved and. They, they had a couple different clubs. but So John Pokna and his girlfriend are going to the S Festival because Dave wants them to come. And he's like, Dave has a crush on you and he wants me to bring you. And and Top Jimmy's going to go. And I was like, I don't really like those metal guys, but I'll go. So we go to the S Festival and we're backstage for just the Van Halen part. And it's like all these tables, all this food, all this booze and a DJ and everyone's in the back hanging out with Dave Lee in the band. Like no one's out there. It's just me and the DJ. So I'm having the time of my life. And at one point, you know, and I keep telling the DJ to play little red Corvette, like over and over <laughs> and over because I could, because we could. And we right. were getting drunk and we were having fun. And then John came out and says, Dave wants to say hi to you. And I went back and I said, hi, thank you so much. And then I came back out and, you know, proceeded to hear Red Corvette and dance and eat and drink. <laughs> so I was telling this story to Razor and Razor goes, that was you? I was the DJ. I was the DJ. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like how many years later? That was 1982. Like, 
lot of years later. Like right again, these uh, this this a very small uh, uh, coterie of uh, of people here. Yeah, like the rotating. Same, I mean, talk about kismet, right? So that us so festival that, was only like one year. They were trying to make I it. A, think yeah, I think the Clash headlined too that one. Yeah, it was three days. It was three days. Bowie played it too, didn't he? Oh uh, wow, I don't remember, but that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was Probably. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You had Van Halen, Bowie, Clash, and Simple Minds, I think, played also. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I like the way you punched that. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, a Talking Heads, I think, also played that. Now, I didn't wow. go to it. Now, I didn't go to it because I don't like crowds. So Yeah, I, not I the really place to be. Yeah, not yeah. the place to be. But it was it was where was that? In it was in North like Valley. Riverside, wasn't yeah, it? Was, like yeah, San Bernardino or something? Yeah, or? it was. I think it was the same place where they're doing Coach, Coachella now or something like. I don't know. Oh, Who that makes it? sense. I'll ask yeah. Razor. I'll ask yeah. him. He yeah. remembers all that stuff really well. Um, so anyway, that's how we met, and then we started the publishing company just to do our each other's books, really, and yeah. kind of learn how to do it, and then. It just exploded. It just exploded. Again, just the organic way, like the Ringling Sisters or whatever, it just exploded. And I think we have like 43 books and I've got wow. like 10 in front of me that I'm, you know, going to do. But it's just a happy accident. And I love the, you know, the publishing company so much. It's really more of a community than it is a business. You know, right? Because like right. the writers, they get all their books at cost. Like we set it up for the writer; they get their books at cost, and mm -hmm. then they get they get sixty percent royalties um, from Amazon every year. So oh, it's man. a it's a great deal. It's it's good yeah. for a guy. It's good for like Pleasant Gaiman or Jack Grisham. You know, like he can have the books on tour. Pleasant has books on tour, or and you know even Patrick O'Neill. I mean. It's good for everybody, but some people are just more into the DIY thing and, you know, just they're better at it, you know? Right. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting. So many guests that we have on the show, uh, you know, they're jazz musicians, they're uh, painters, they're all this, all these different, uh, you know, types of, of creative uh, people. So many people started in punk rock. I you love know, it's that. Like, that was that was whatever it was where, wherever they end up you know being in a punk rock band was the first thing because i think it it showed people well there is a low bar for for entry here you don't yeah. have to you don't have to know it already you can you know you can figure it out as you do it and, and no one we didn't have like i'm trying to tell the i know someone i have some women friends in my life that are like 30 they're young and they love all this you know old school stuff and they were like, oh, well, do you have, you know, where's all the photos? I was like, we didn't have camera phones. Right. We yeah. didn't have, like, if <laughs> the only, you know, the best, like, you pretty much had to be a person of some kind of interest for there to be a photo of you from back then. Or you had yeah. to have, like, one of those disposables. And right. then, good luck, you know, drop it off and never go, I never go, you know, just never picked them up once in a while. But so, and there was no way to videotape anything. Like, you had to have money. And or right, in order to have, you had to have money for to buy a video camera and to get it all exactly the tapes and like, stuff like that. Yeah, and then just and to record like 
you know it's a hassle you have to drag it around everybody's trying to have fun man yeah and you're in the way and you're in the but even just and just to record a record like you know it was all big studio stuff there was no you know pro tools or whatever there was no sure it was so you know we but we did it anyway right yeah so these 30 year old women do you have their phone number (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure hang on <laughs> manny's trying to manny's trying to work on the gonorrhea angle yeah there we go um, i'll i'll let them know right 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 something to look forward to <laughs> yeah um so so punk hostage press it's it's going uh, 11 years later it's going strong you have 10 releases staring you in the face uh, but you have some uh, uh, i know the recent releases or or upcoming yeah. releases yeah i just we just released uh, pleasant gaiman's rock and roll witch right. um, patrick o'neill's anarchy at the circle k which is just hysterical. Him, <laughs> I love his, that title. <laughs> it's great. It's and it says it all because it was him being on tour with like the Dead Kennedys, the Subhumans, TSOL, and you know, like he was the junkie road manager. And he doesn't. <laughs> it's not really a tell-all. He just tells all about himself. You know, TSOL how, was just here a few weeks ago in New Orleans. No way. Did yeah, you guys go? I didn't. Uh, um, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. They were here with the Dickies. Wow. And uh, what's that place over that. there right by the parish line, the riverfront, Renee? Uh, yeah, Southport. Southport, yeah. yeah. There was a punk rock oh, show Oh, yeah, there. you know what? And yeah, Black Jack Flag, from Black there. Flag played, too. Whoa. Wow. They had lunch, man. And yeah. How did I miss that? Jesus Christ. The press here doesn't tell doesn't know about anything. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, yeah it, how did you miss that? That's a big uh, I was big. only told about it through one of my daughter's friend's parents. He wanted to go to it and I said, Well, I don't know if I can go to it just yet. And he goes, Well, I'm buying tickets. I said, Okay, buy tickets. And the day of the show I was doing something else and he called me up and he said, I'm picking you up in ten minutes. And I said, Picking me up for what? <laughs> He goes, well, the Black Fag <laughs> Dickies TSOL show. And I said, dude, I, I can't go. I'm sorry. I just can't go. But it was very like no, but no advertisement whatsoever. And pa- basically like the only original member of Black Flag was uh, uh, Greg. That was wow. it. it wow. Was, you know, and that was it. And I don't know how successful it was, but it, it, the show started at 7 o'clock and ended at like at 930 apparently. That so, is kind of a short ass. That's show. not very punk yeah. rock, if you ask me. Well, it kind of is if you think about it. I mean, you know, like the Circle Jerk's first record was 15 minutes long. Right, right. You right. Know, like, yeah. Yeah. Punk rock, rock was fast, but but still, you would think a show like that in New Orleans, you know, would be big. Well, it was on the uh, other side of the parish. It was in Jefferson Parish, Renee. So. Uh, just over the line. Yeah. That's close to my house. Yeah, I would have gone. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Best laid plans. Yeah. They'll be back. They'll be back. <laughs> no, they won't. That's, that's <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, you know, we just had the Circle Jerks here, and that's actually one of the last big shows that Carlo went to. Uh, you know, um, he, he was still he was very ill, but he made it to that and went. You know, really? I, know I, I talked to him after that. He was yeah, he went and hung around with with Keith Morris and and uh, you know uh, got to got to spend time with all those guys. In fact, I think Keith was at, at uh, Carlo's house earlier that day. Got to I'm really got, got glad to that visit they got with to him. spend time together. Yeah. 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 That's, 
God damn. No, no fair. No fair. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Iris, that's how it goes, baby. That's, that's why we got to do this now. I know, <laughs> I, know, you know? I know, but that one really hurt, you know? Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, not to, not to take us off onto a, a downer here because we're yeah. getting, yeah, 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 yeah. Did it we hurt because you, he owes you money? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pleasant told me last night, Pleasant came and she goes, you know, I, I saw Carlo on tour. And I said to him, you're the nicest guy to ever climb through Iris Berry's window at Displaceland. <laughs> <laughs> he, he repeated that to me. He really liked that. <laughs> well, the best yeah. part about that was he, like, we, I was after a benefit and for some reason, I'm sure, I mean, he probably climbed in a bunch, but like, there was Pleasant <laughs> and Laura had to get up early. So we brought the club back and my room is in the back of the very back of the house. So that like, there was a window that opened up to like a big kind of a parking area, you know? So everybody came from the club and climbed through my window. And we had like, it was me and Carlo and just a bunch of people from Raji's and then a bunch of people that couldn't fit in the room. So they were just hanging out, you know, we were talking to them through the window outside the window yeah, and passing, <laughs> you know, joints and booze and cigarettes. And at one right. point I kid you not, like I'm saying there's probably about 35 people, maybe more, everyone but me was doing their best impersonation simultaneously of Elvis. And I was ah. like, Oh my God, why do I have nothing to like record this? It was hysterical. I mean, Carlo probably did the best one. You know. I thought you were going to say everyone's doing their best impersonation of Carlo. That's what I was. That's what I thought it was going to be too. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, can you do Carlo? Can you do one? Uh, my back in L.A. when I hung out with Carlo, my best impersonation of Carlo was, uh, "I'll go in on a forty with you because I've been a lit up all weekend." <laughs> that's, that's great. You know, that's my impersonation oh, of Carlo. Uh, you know, it's a, as long as these people live in our memories, they're they're still with us. You know? That's right. right. We're keeping them alive. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, anybody that wants to check out more about Iris Berry, and there's so much to check out. You have so all these books uh, of yours, you know, on on uh, Punk Hostage Press. You know, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, said, yes. Two blocks east of Vine, uh, all that shines onto the Hollywood sign. And uh, also, I'm about to release Mike Roach. I'm doing Mike Roach's autobiography. You know, the bass player from TSOL mm -hmm. and S.A. Griffin are just about to release that, and Richard Modiano, who is the former director of Beyond Baroque, amazing amazing writer, amazing poet. And, um, and Shauna Kinney's I'm, I'm re-releasing the third of diff, uh, the third edition of, I was a teenage dominatrix, which will be released on, um, Valentine's day. And then, nice. but, and the best, okay, so here's the best. And I, I know we're probably running out of time, but Razor had a daughter like in 2015, he's like, you know, I had a daughter at 17 and, you know, we had to sign adoption papers like we weren't old enough and we never i never got to see her and like i'm i really to this day wonder where she is like there's no way to find her and then a month later she finds him right oh. and she's like this amazing writer she's like the female version writer of him because he's an amazing writer amazing and um so last year i we put out his book uh pure El Parismo, and she wrote the introduction and signed it as mm. the lost daughter and so mm. now we're putting out her book um on our birthday on our 11th birthday uh, ophelia rising and he's he's writing the forward and 
I don't know. Oh, That's just amazing to me. So let me ask you something, Iris. As uh, our mutual friend uh, who owns Stories Bookstore, is she carrying any of these books? Yes. And you know what? She And I need to get more over there. This is all on me. And um, they, they're really good to us, Stories. Very good yeah. to us. Well, stories I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Claudia. Yes, exactly. How well, is she? I haven't seen her. I haven't spoken to her in a couple of years. We used to uh, constantly text each other on our birthdays saying, happy birthday, happy birthday. Oh. Claudia, Claudia is an old girlfriend of mine, Renee, uh, okay. who Iris, oh. who's Iris is friends with. Uh, me and Claudia dated for about two years back in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh. And, wow. Sweet. Yeah, She's and, awesome. And she is an awesome person. She has a beautiful bookstore in Silver Lake called Stories Bookstore. And, Stories, books, and cafe. Yeah, the exactly. best place. The yeah. best. And yeah, uh, oh, shout out to, to say, it. Claudia was a great person. Some of the happiest times in my life were spent with her. She taught me so much, and we experienced so much together. And for that, I can never forgive her. <laughs> <laughs> Did she break your heart? Uh no, no. Uh, yeah. I think it was a mutual thing. Yeah, you just grew I, apart. Uh, she, she broke your stereo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's final. She broke that, my Clash Live at the Hollywood Palladium record. She broke She that. did not. She did not. Uh, he's just riffing. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, uh, God, we could talk forever here, yeah. Iris. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, it's kind of about that time. But uh, as Manny likes to say, we could do a part two with you. Cause, uh, Anytime, again, guys. Could, this is great. All right. Yeah. This is so great. All um, right. I really thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. How did Renee find you? Through Carlo? No, well, no. you know, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, we're 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 putting out episodes. Uh, Iris is is I see her there. I I, I know of of Iris from oh. you know first in in like the John Doe book where she's showing up, and then I start finding out more about her, and I'm frankly I'm a little bit starstruck. By oh, Iris. you're so sweet! Oh my god! <laughs> but, uh, can you get sweet. Can we get John Doe on the show? Well, uh, we've we've approached John Doe. He doesn't like you, Manny. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He, but he doesn't. Uh, Manny, well, wait, what? Manny, what band were you in? Were you in the Two Free Stooges? Yeah, I was Two Free Stooges with Dick Root and Xander, Martine Lenoble, Matt Tecchio. No, uh, John has John has heard the show, and I think he's a little bit leery about uh, uh, wading in. But maybe you know, maybe uh, Iris can put in a good I word. I will. I will. <laughs> and, I've had a, uh, I've had a splendid time. No, really. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, especially someone who resists us that 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 uh, sets me off. You know, it's like okay, now I'm definitely going to get you before. <laughs> you know, I really had I really had COVID. I really had COVID. No, no, no. I, I don't mean you. No, oh, no. Oh, you, oh. you said, and I was going to say, I even have it wrote it in my notes that. Uh, I asked you and you answered yes right away. And I was going to say people who it's, it's an interesting paradox, people who get a lot done, you would think they're too busy to get right back to you. They're the ones who always get right back to you. That's how they get a lot done. Exactly. So, uh, that's exactly. a lesson for, for the young and the old people. You know, uh, uh, don't, don't, don't waste any time because uh, it's your most precious resource. You're absolutely well, thank right. Thank you, Iris. You've been thank fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And thank we'll be so in much. touch.
I look forward to it. Right. And Iris, uh, as always, on the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle <laughs> continues. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Every morning at 3 a.m., I can be sure that the phone is going to be And I can be sure of who it is. Yeah, it's always her. Every morning at 3 a.m., I'm dying in the background. Just get the money. She's always got a different excuse every time. There's always something going on. She always needs help for some reason. But I know what it's for. But she always comes up with those excuses. She's a good one. I wonder what it's going to be this time. Johnny Thunders does it because... Lenny Bruce did it Honey did it too Because our papa did it He did it Cause Johnny Parker did it Hey man, look at Keith Richards I'm a sensitive artist too
my business. I know I'm popping up for a little dictatorship and helping those contras, but I'm not hurting anyone else. And besides, I've been clean for a whole weekend. So quit hassling me. I've got it all under control.